I think one of the single most asked questions from our investors is, how do I get diversification across my portfolio, number one? Number two, what if I don't have $500,000 to put across five different assets? How can I protect my $100,000 investment or $200,000 investment? Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman, broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. And today I have a very special guest, Vina Jetty. If you know me, you probably also know Vina because we've done multiple deals together. I think we've done five or six deals now. It's hard to remember exactly. So we like to invest together as co-sponsors and a little bit about Vina. She's the founding partner of Vive Funds, and we're together relaunching our real estate fund called Rev Fund. And throughout her career, she oversaw over a billion dollars in real estate assets. She's a philanthropist, which I love about her. So she founded a national nonprofit organization helping companies and nonprofits understand how they can be better prepared for disaster response, which is extremely interesting, especially in this crazy climate today. Vina has an undergraduate degree in finance from University of Illinois in Chicago. Welcome to the show, Vina. Hi, Ellie. I'm so glad to be here as always. It's always so fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know your story. I've heard it, you know, many times, but I'm sure our listeners are going to love to hear how did you end up in real estate? Yeah, I feel like anybody who listens to any of my podcasts gets so bored with this story because I always say the same thing every time, but I grew up in this world. So my mom is actually a successful real estate investor. Both of my parents were actually immigrants. So they came here similar to you with for education, really. And my mom built a real estate portfolio. Both of my parents retired early off of it. And so when I graduated from college, my mom was like, great, you have your degree in finance. Now you'll come work for the family business. And I was like, no, I'm an adult. I'm going to do something totally out of the box. And so I worked in corporate real estate and made a lot of money for somebody else, learned a lot, had a really great experience, learned from some of the best investors in the world and ultimately ended up going out, starting on my own. And here I am today. That's awesome. And it's really interesting that you made that transition from an employee to an investor. I know a lot of our listeners, their dream, the new American dream today is to be able to travel and have control over your time. And a lot of our investors are dreaming about retiring early, like your parents did, and passively invest in real estate and other investment vehicles. So they don't need to necessarily work 
until retirement age. Now we're kind of like in a little bit of a gig economy. So these generations, we're going to start seeing a little bit of a shift from, you know, in our parents' generation might have worked at the same, at two jobs, his whole entire career for like years and years and years. And that was unusual. Usually people started somewhere and ended somewhere. And now we're seeing a big shift in that just with a gig economy. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, you didn't say, hey, I'm going to invest passively like my mom and retire early. You said, why don't I do something a bit different and much harder and start a company? Why not? Right? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Look, my mom gave me the foundation I needed to really take what she did and take it to the next level. As the daughter of immigrants, I feel a responsibility to do this because they sacrificed a lot to come here to this country and give my sister and I this opportunity. And so, you know, they say it's like the American dream, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's wonderful to see that even second generation to immigrants still have the immigrant mentality, working hard, doesn't matter how much money you've got, you need to work hard, you need to grow your nest egg, and make sure that you're not just spending money and travel and do nothing. We want to do both of those things too. Yeah. (laughs) Earning it. Yeah, yeah, I, I Totally understand what you mean. So you're a sponsor, you own multifamily assets, and you manage those assets for investors. And we've seen more and more funds recently, and fund is not a new phenomenon. It's something that's been here forever. But we see more and more funds. And we're also starting a new fund called Rev Fund, which is a $100 million fund that aims to purchase multifamily assets. What are your thoughts about this new investment vehicle where it's new to our investors because we're presenting it for the first time. But what are your thoughts about kind of the a fund structure versus a deal specific investment opportunity? Yeah. And I think that this is the question that comes up a lot, right? And one of the reasons that you and I decided to address the fund structure and actually create this opportunity is because I think one of the single most ask questions from our investors is, how do I get diversification across my portfolio? Number one. Number two, what if I don't have $500,000 to put across five different assets? How can I protect my $100,000 investment or $200,000 investment? And also, there's just not as much deal flow coming through to be able to necessarily do that all the time. And Anybody who invests with either of us knows we're in a waiting list on every single deal. So that's if you can get into one of our deals, you can put money into maybe multiple assets. But the fund structure really does address those concerns. And it really is a way to mitigate risk in your investment portfolio. And so I think that was the biggest thing that we were trying to answer for our investors and and you know what I love about our podcast, Ellie? I feel like this is a peek behind the curtains of like our private yeah. calls because this is what we talk about, right? And we're yeah, exactly. About how do investors see this? What's an investor going to think of this? How do they react to this? Is this good for them or bad for them? And we make our decisions based off of that. And so in talking through some of these challenges and realizing that both your investors and my investors were coming back with these same questions and same queries it made a lot of sense for us to go into this setup for them to accommodate more investors. Secondly, I think too, I mean, Elliot, you can speak to how competitive has this market been? Are we ever going to do another deal ever again? (laughs) 
insane, right? Yes, very, very competitive. Right. But it's a different conversation when you go to a seller and you say, hey, I have a $100 million fund. Here's a receipt. Then what? What does the conversation look like? You become a lot more attractive as a buyer, regardless of price, because now you have the dry powder, if you will. And so I think that in those ways, it makes a lot of sense to move to a fund structure or to add a fund structure, which is really what we're doing. We're not moving there, we're adding it, right? And then also, we, you and I have been having countless discussions with multi-billion dollar funds, institutional funds. Right. And in our strategy and kind of what we're learning from their insights and their data points, which are in the millions, right? We are learning and understanding that large PE funds, private equity funds are operating in a similar way. And they like the structure because of the reasons that we said earlier. So I think that especially in a downturn market, you want to look to what the large institutional funds are doing because typically tend to fare better in a downturn market. And they're very, very heavy on multifamily as an asset class. They're very bullish on it. So I think that this kind of fits right in line with what you and I have been trying to do from a strategic standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And when I'm thinking about it, the it's very similar to an individual angel investor and a VC. So an angel investor can look and research some companies and decide where to invest. But if they invest with a VC, then they basically can feel more secure because they have this very oiled machine with a lot of resources. And this investor can know that, okay, if this opportunity was basically vested by a VC company, then I feel safer. And also I can invest and basically spread my risk across multiple companies. It's kind of similar to that, but I don't want to only pitch the fund model. I know that there are, I mean, definitely the diversification is there. $100,000 that can get you one deal or 10 different deals. And so much more diversified and, you know, of course, investing alongside institutional investors, that's huge. And a lot of investors actually like that. But I have to say, just to give maybe slightly different perspective, some investors are saying, you know, I maybe don't like the fund structure because I want to be able to choose which deals to invest with. And to that, I say, you know, first and foremost, doesn't matter if it's a fund or a, a specific deal, you have to invest with a sponsor that you trust someone that you have some relationships with, or you've done really serious vetting. And if you trust that sponsor, then trust their ability to choose the right deals. And I would also say, look at how much money they're investing in a deal. And if they're investing in the fund, then that tells you how positive they are, how, you know, how much they assess the risk in investing in that fund and probably should do the same. I completely agree. And that's the thing, right, is we're not trying to accommodate only investors that want the diversity of a fund. We want to accommodate as many investor profiles as possible. And I think one of the unique things or that we've been talking about and that we've strategized around is that exact objection. And so having a fund isn't mutually exclusive of choosing your own investments, right? It, right is complementary and it allows you to really see which one is right for you. But to your point, if you're investing $100,000, you may not be able to invest $10,000 at a time. Most sponsors won't take such a small yeah. check size 
on any one deal. And that's if you can get into the deal directly, the fund gives you a different avenue to do that. So, but yes, if you do want to choose each deal that you want to be investing, maybe you hate Texas and you don't want to be invested in Texas and you know the fund is investing in Texas, then that's obviously not a right fit for you. But if you have a fund where generally you like the sponsors, you know how they're underwriting, you trust them, they're invested, then I think it does make sense to look at a fund structure if you want a low hassle investment. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know that some of our investors are looking and some of the listeners are looking to invest in a fund not necessarily with us, of course, there are a lot of funds out there. And when it comes to making a decision on which fund to invest with, there are a lot of types of funds out there. There's evergreen fund, closed-ended, and open-ended funds. Can you share with us kind of the our conversations back and forth when we were starting this, which one should we choose and which one we should go with? Yeah. You know, I think what is so interesting is there's it's like any deal, right? There's a thousand right. ways to look at it and there's a thousand ways to structure it. And what you and I did over many hours at like 2 a.m., midnight, you know, we've been burning the midnight oil to kind of figure out what the sweet spot is with our investors. And so what we looked to do was try to balance out the ability to allow investors in, but also the amount of demand that we know we experience in our funds, generally in our direct funds. Mm -hmm. And so in that we were trying to figure out, okay, do we keep it open forever? Do we close it? Do we open and then close it? And so as we were working through some of that, it kind of made it a little bit clearer as we were talking about what our typical investor database looks like. And I think also that goes to show how well you and I know our investors too, because there are many times where we'd say, okay, what about if we did this? And you would say, no, no, investors aren't going to go for that. And I don't really think yours are going to either. And then vice versa. Right. And so it really helps to know your investor database because you're really looking out for what they want. So To answer your question, typically a fund that's set up similar to this one, and again, it can be different for every single sponsor, but the way we decided to set up our fund was to target anywhere from five to 10 assets over the course of the fund. We're targeting a five to seven year timeframe. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to stay really close to the metrics of what we see in our direct syndications and still allow that comfort of diversity. So we haven't really moved the model a whole lot differently. The only thing that really changes is now you get to be in multiple assets versus just the one. Yeah. And if we're adding, if we're talking about the similarity to just the regular syndication model, the one thing that I think a lot of investors are curious, so how is it different to invest in a fund? It's actually not very different. You still signed the PPM, you're still wiring the investment, you have three to five days to do it. And then you get distributions. It's the same process. Nothing is really different, only that distributions are coming over time from, you know, four, five, seven different assets, not just one asset. And I have to tell you about kind of share with you the power, and you probably know it because you also have portfolios, the power of portfolios. So when it comes to one asset, you can hit, there could be a month where something happened with a storm that is not covered for some reason by insurance or something like that. You have a high ticket item 
and your CapEx budget suffers and maybe you even need to take some money from the operating account. It could be messy. And then you're left with the question, what do I do with the cash flow? And our goal as sponsors is to make sure that investors are not going to feel those fluctuations, that there's going to be enough money, that no matter what's going to happen, there's going to be money that, you know, close or above projections every month in their account. When it comes to portfolios, even with two assets, you have one month that one asset is doing better than the other. So maybe we're kind of lagging a little bit behind one asset, but the other one is making 35% more. And that's plenty of cash flow for investors. So just that diversification, when I experienced it as a sponsor, that was the aha moment that made me really understand the power of diversification. You can talk about it and it's, you know, you understand the concept, but then when you're looking at cash flow, when you're sitting down with your analysts and you're realizing that if separated into two assets, it would have looked a lot different than now that you have a very nice cash flow month over month. It's just, it's like a compounding interest. Just it's the more assets, the better and the safer you are as an investor. Yeah. And also, I mean, you can speak to the power of a portfolio just from an exit perspective, right? So typically when you're exiting a portfolio, it's a lot different from a negotiation standpoint and an overall return standpoint than when you're exiting one asset or one asset after another and you're two or more at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And in that regard, there's also a difference between, you know, some evergreen funds. Every time there's an exit, then the money's being, it's not being distributed to investors. It's being reinvested in a fund, which is, I think, more reasonable for a debt fund because then every time the loan is due if you give a loan to flippers then you don't want to make multiple distributions on small amounts you want to use the profits to give more you know loans and extend out more loans but with a close-ended fund which is rev fund the fund that we're managing it's basically once we sell an asset then the distribution, it's going to be, the profits are going to be distributed to investors. It's not going to be invested in the fund, which just, it's something to keep in mind when you're considering which fund to invest in. Then a good question is what happens when there's an exit on one of the assets? Do I get my money or do I get the profits or are the proceeds going to be reinvested in the fund to purchase other assets? Absolutely. I think that those are really important questions to ask outside of what we had talked about earlier with sponsors and the strategy of the fund itself. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So anything that you think we should discuss that we haven't discussed? Anything interesting or maybe less interesting that you want to discuss? I mean, I have plenty of not interesting things. (laughs) We should save that for when you and I are talking (laughs) one-on-one. No, I think that, like I said, I love it when we do these because even though it's a podcast and I know you do this with other guests, it's like, this is kind of the peek behind the curtain of we're talking on a regular basis. And we're, you know, we're always talking about either the assets we have together, how they're functioning, or you're texting me about something, or we're talking about strategy on something else. So this is really what it's like behind the scenes, if you will. And so I'm really excited about the fund that we've launched. I really think investors are going to appreciate it. I mean, 
just from having sent out one email, the amount of excitement that I sense from our investors alone is making me even more excited for it. I also think that this is a wildly hot market, more than I think any of us anticipated. And I think a big piece of that is from there just being a lot of capital that is out there that did not get placed last year. And now they're trying to catch up this year. And I think that this is a interesting time for us too, because as we're increasing our cash positions and as we're strategizing and planning, we really are planning in the scenario that there's going to be more opportunities and we're going to be able to be a little bit more opportunistic than we have been in the past. And this is, I think, where investors are going to start to see really great opportunity come forward and we have to be ready to go in and take advantage of it. And that's how a lot of investors made significant money back in the last real estate crashes. They had cash, they were bullish on the market. They knew where they wanted to be invested and they were ready when they saw those opportunities. And so this is no different for us. We want to be ready when opportunity knocks, anytime it knocks, whether it be in an up market, down market, doesn't actually matter. We always want to be ready. And so I'm just, I'm really excited for what these coming years hold. I think that we're going to see a huge shift in the multifamily market in a positive way for us as investors. And I think, you know, just given the historic sharp ratios, multifamily is the most stable asset class from a sharp ratio perspective. And so I don't know where else you want to be if there is a downturn in a market. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Could not have said it better. Vina. I'm talking to you very often, but thank you for showing up to my podcast and sharing your insights about the fund structure and how that could look like. We have arrived to our last portion of the discussion today, which is the lightning round questions. And the first question is, what is your favorite hobby besides buying buildings? Oh gosh, I love to travel. I haven't done it in mm. so long. I've forgotten if I know how to travel anymore, but mm. I love to travel, see new cultures, eat new foods, street food specifically in other countries. So, what's the last country you visited? <sighs> I think it was Paris. Oh. Not country, that's the city. The city. I think, well, yeah, the last place I went to was Paris, France. All right. What's the one thing that people don't know about you? Oh, okay. It's not going to be real estate related. I don't even think you know this about me. Try me. I am fluent in pig Latin. Huh? Do you know? I didn't know that. No. It's like this nonsensical language that growing up here, like people would learn. And it really is where you just take like the first letter of the word and move it to the end and add a Y to the end of it. And I know it sounds so ridiculous and dumb, but they call it pig Latin. And so I can speak pig Latin fluently. My sister and I learned it when we were kids so we could speak to each other in front of our parents without them understanding because they couldn't follow it. Can you say something? Oh gosh. In pig Latin? Yeah, so like you'd say like, I may aim nay is a Ina Bay. That's my name is Vina. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's totally made up in gibberish. But yes, I can speak it fluently. All right. Well, that's interesting. I definitely did not know that about you. What do you wish that you'd known when you just started 
in real estate? Oh, gosh. I wish I knew everything then that I know now. Yeah. I feel like every single deal that I do, I learn so much. From watching you operate, I have learned so much from you. I mean, I don't ever want to do the things you do because you're so good <laughs> at them. I'm going to let you handle it. But yeah, I just, I learn new systems and processes every single time. So I don't know if there's any one thing. I wish I would have started even earlier than I did. Even coming from a real estate background, I didn't yeah. start as early as I wish I would have. All right. What's your number one advice to high net worth individuals and to family offices that are listening or watching us now and they want to scale their portfolio in 2021? What would you say to them? Yeah. So we have a lot of family offices that do invest with us that we have really strong relationships with. But I would say the same thing to them that I say to any of our investors is make sure that you understand what you're investing into. Make sure your sponsor takes the time to explain the things you don't understand ask those questions because without truly understanding what the strategy or the thought process of your sponsor is you have no way of really knowing if what they're saying makes sense or not and you can't be expected as a passive investor to know if a two and a half x income on post renovated rents is aggressive or not right if i say that to just a passive investor they're going to look at me like okay yeah that sounds reasonable but you and I both know that's kind of aggressive. That is not a conservative assumption to make. So make sure you understand that your sponsor has a why behind what they're saying and make sure that they are looking at data points and they understand their markets. And it's a relationship business. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. There are gonna be plenty of other deals. You do not need to rush into anything that you are uncomfortable with. If it's something you feel excited about, we as sponsors want you to be as excited as we are about the deals. We co-invest right alongside of you. So we want you to wake up saying, oh my gosh, I own 500 units in Marietta, Georgia. I'm so excited about this. We don't want you to wake up saying, oh my gosh, why did I put my money into this deal? What was I thinking? So make sure you know your sponsor, build that relationship, take your time. It's okay to ask questions. We expect it. There's no question you're going to ask that we haven't been asked before. And we know our deals very well. We'll be able to answer any question you ask us about the deal. Yes, absolutely. And I know you have a course for passive investors. And I think it's great because you really want, I mean, if you're going to invest half a million or $200,000, don't you want to invest a little bit more just to learn about it? Just think about, I can't even, I don't even have the number, the amount of dollars I've put into my own education between law and real estate and, and the MBA program. In my opinion, I think it's something that you owe it to yourself, but you know, don't want to do the hard promotion. I'm just saying from my point of view, I want to send my parents there. They don't speak English, unfortunately, but I would love them to go through, you know, the program. Where can people find information about your program? Yeah, they can go to mfmasterclass.com. So it's M like multifamily, mfmasterclass.com. All right. Awesome. Well, Vina, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and talk real estate? Yeah, they can probably find me on your conference calls, really, is where they can find <laughs> me. They can also find me at vivefunds.com, B-I-V-E-F-U-N-D-S.com, or I'm like all over social media on, mm -hmm. as Vina Jetty. All right, perfect. Vina, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. It was fun having you on the show. Thanks, Ellie. I had a blast. All right, guys, this is for today. 
I hope that you are leaving the conversation with a little bit more information about a fund, the fund structure and the benefits, the pros and cons. Be bold, guys. Be great. Keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.